0: Put your paws up, because you were born this way, baby. Hello, everyone, and welcome to What's Your Jersey podcast. I am your host, Jacqueline Marfugi, and I just want to say thank you, grazie, gracias, just all the thanks. I'm giving thanks for you guys joining listening, being supportive. I fucking love you meatballs. If it's your first time joining the podcast, I call my listeners meatballs. So welcome. You're a meatball now. Uh, I hope you guys are having a great week. It's officially fall pumpkin spiced everything season. I'm not going to lie. I just saw that white claw has released a pumpkin spice flavor and I don't know. Not really into that. I don't know how I feel about a clear, sparkling, alcoholic pumpkin spice beverage, but I'm not going to knock it totally until I try it because there is some basic in me. So you know what? Maybe I'm here for it. We'll see. Uh, I have a lot of exciting stuff going on on the last podcast with Jay Washington, which you should all listen to. Um, I told you about tour dates and I've added some more, so I just want to let you guys know, please Come to Vegas. Um, I have a show on September 16th at the Artisan Hotel, and Natasha Carl Hansen is headlining it, and Rachel O'Brien's on it, Courtney Sherman, and Ariel Kashanchi, and it's just going to be a kick-ass. It's called the future females, the future female, future role models. That's it. Um, but it's going to be really fun. And we have a pool party, uh, the day before. So I post all that stuff on social media. Then I will be hosting an amazing live show at Gotham comedy club in New York city on September 19th with headliner, Mike Marino guys, New Yorkers get there. New Jersey people get there. Then I will be at TIFF's Comedy Club the following night with Mike Marino, and that's in Morris Plains, New Jersey. All those shows are at 8 p.m., so you guys should come out. I'll post all the links to tickets online. And then I'm doing the New Jersey Performing Arts Center, the NJ Pack Theater on October 10th with Mike Marino, and that's really exciting because it's a couple thousand seat theater and I just cannot wait, and it's kind of a big deal for me, so Yes, I post everything on social media, so I would love to see you meatballs. You have to come out. You have to do all the things. Um, All right. That's enough about me. Oh, also, thank you for subscribing, rating, reviewing. Please share with your friends. I find that's the best way to find out about podcast people. Um, And yeah, be nice. Uh, Okay. My guest, I've known her for probably, I want to say, maybe five, six, seven years. Longer. Longer. I feel like we met in 2010, actually. Probably. That could be it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I mean, I have so many questions that you guys actually sent me. I posted um, today on IG asking for your sex, relationship, love, family questions. And holy shit, you guys are curious. <laughs> um, so we're just going to get right into it. Uh, she's amazing. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist, a sex therapist. Mm-hmm. Can I call yep. you that? Absolutely. Uh, she also was a professional dancer and a fire eater. And we <laughs> met working for the Karma Foundation and worked a bunch of parties at the Playboy Mansion. Oh, wait, she's been in Playboy too, guys. And she's smart <laughs> as fuck. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Thanks Amy. For how what a description. <laughs> I know. Well, you, you did all those things. Yeah, I do. All, I do all the things. I like being a woman that does all the things, which I, can be tiring. I mean, it's so 2019 of you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> You're so on brand with everything that's going on today.
1: Wow. Well, yeah, dude, we met a long time ago. I might have been 2010, 2009, 2010, something like that. Yeah. Um, doing bottle service, you know, as at the Playboy do. Mansion, you know, like trying to carry large bottles of some type of alcohol to tables with loud music. <sighs> and there's girls with angel wings slapping you in the face as you're trying to walk through a crowd. And it's really like the great. things you do when you get through stages in life. I'm really thankful for that job. It paid yeah. very well. Yes, it did. And I met so many cool girls through it
0: yes. so, that I'm still friends with. So yes. totally. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I've always like admired you from afar, like everything oh. that you've posted, <laughs> even like your personal training stuff. Yeah.
1: I did that for a while too. And yeah. that was really fun. That's what I did
0: when I was going through graduate school and
1: for almost like 10 years, I think I did that.
0: Yeah. That is so cool. Mm-hmm. um Guys, Amy doesn't age. Also, I feel like you actually like are Benjamin buttoning it. I hide from the
1: sun. I, I don't mean- drink alcohol, but that pumpkin spice white claw sounds pretty good. <laughs> It almost sounds like clear Pepsi. A little like bit. Like the creepiness of it. Like, why is it clear? But it's pumpkin
0: spice. Right? Like that mm-hmm. whole juxtaposition. I don't know about it. Yeah. But yeah. I feel like I have to try anything twice before I'm well, fully... I'd like to hear about it because I love pumpkin spice because I'm basic
1: like that too. I saw the sign at Starbucks for pumpkin spice yesterday and I stopped in my tracks. You got so... You like had an
0: orgasm. <laughs> oh my gosh. You're like, it's yeah. all happening. Yeah. Well, Amy and I ran into each other. Uh, we are at another sex therapist's house, <laughs> uh, Emily Morse, who's been on the podcast before before. Mm-hmm. We love her. And I randomly, I was at her birthday mm-hmm. party and Amy showed up. I'm so happy we didn't leave early. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it was just such a breath of fresh air. Like you mm-hmm. walked in and mm-hmm. you guys, I a, recommend anyone who's in Los Angeles, like mm-hmm. hiring you or going to you for sessions because oh, you have this like calming effect energy. You're nice. so open and just, you know, no no judgments, I feel like. Yeah,
1: thanks. Yeah. And I'm right down the street from you. So and I, I can can't there. be your therapist now because we know each other. Damn it. Um, but if you want to come to my office and have coffee anytime, please feel free to do so. And We can just hang out. Yeah, we can just hang. Yeah, we uh, can do that. Yeah, Emily Morris is great. I just met her. Um We've known of each other for a long time because we're in the same community, the sex-positive educator and therapist community actually is pretty small even in los angeles Mm -hmm. but we became friends i would say more in the
0: past year or so so yeah and i love her she's great oh my god she's amazing yeah she's the best Mm -hmm. you're the best uh i just want to get into it so amy walked in and told me this really awesome story and i actually (laughs) i mean right off the bat feel like so many girls and guys go through this shit especially if you're in a big city Mm -hmm. like we're in los angeles which i feel like might be the hardest city to date in i could be wrong it's one of the
1: harder ones and i think that's because so many people gravitate towards los angeles to be something make something of themselves i also think that there's a lot more um people on the apps that are that are in those communities of people. So it makes it a little harder. Um, it's more skewed. It's skewed here for people in the entertainment industry, which oh, I think yeah. can be
0: difficult. And also, it's like, if you're in the middle of Nebraska, not knocking Nebraska, it's mm-hmm. great, but you don't have, like, Instagram models and, like, super hot you have actresses. options you've less and options and there's less options it's actually proven to be better for dating that's why apps like the league
1: only give you 3 options a day because you have to consider them more I like when you have that. more options like on bumble when you find yourself scrolling and scrolling for what? hours um people become less meaningful yeah um, it's like a video game yeah it's like a game which is yeah. how the app survives because it feels like a game but yeah. so the more options you have the actually actually the less likely you are to lock down and pick something and find it meaningful. So
0: for dating, you should just find the least populated city possible.
1: Or you should just (laughs) use apps or engage in things in ways that are like slower and more meaningful and more intentional, more intentional with dating.
0: Yeah. More authentic. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, We have all these hot people like walking around in the wild. Like Mm -hmm. it's a little scary. But that's also something
1: to pay attention to. If you're on a dating app and the person you're going on dates with or somebody you've gone on a date with is skewing towards their app to look at women that are younger or that are, are just like hot girls, which is, that was just fine. But if you're looking for a relationship and the other person is just looking, going off looks, that's not going to be a good match, yeah. right? So you have to intentionally date and you want to make sure that the person you're looking for is dating with a similar intention as yourself, whether it's casual or serious.
0: Yeah. Like how can you figure that out? You just ask.
1: It, also, direct communication just doesn't happen as much anymore. So I, I think mean, I saw it,
0: it was a video on mm-hmm. Instagram. Russell Brown, Russell Brandt. Mm-hmm. He had just posted saying the number one relationship killer is communication, not having good communication. Absolutely. Yeah. If
1: you can't establish that you have similar values or you're on the same page, that's going to be a big problem.
0: But like maybe not on the first date. I feel like that's it what depends. people are I mean, confused first about. First dates are,
1: you know, you're essentially off an app meeting a stranger. So do you want to give them a questionnaire? I would. I'm so analytical that I would do something like that. And I actually went on a date the other night and the other person was like that too. Very scientific. And I'm like, this is actually really good because this is how I am. Okay. So for me, that, that works. But for most people, it's just you're meeting a person. Are they safe? Is there any type of attraction at all? Can you imagine yourself dating them? Yeah. It's just the surface. So just don't worry about much more. The surface, basic. If there's any major deal breakers, I guess, bring it up, ask the question. Okay. Um, but you could bring those things up, but it's not necessary. I would say between the first and third dates so at the times to rule out the major values or commonalities.
0: So you were on the league. And you... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do we want to start there? Or do we... Cause <laughs> how do you want to oh, start could, we could, I'm not the Perry storyteller. Okay, okay. <laughs> Basically, Amy went out with a mutual friend's ex-boyfriend who... I mean, they had been broken up at the time. And then she met the mutual friend with me in the wild. And, you know, when you start dating someone, you Google them. You, like, look up some stuff. Well, I even encourage people. I
1: think it's good to do a quick search because there's so much stuff online, whether it's irrelevant or untrue. You can't go down a wormhole or you shouldn't typically go down a wormhole. But you do the five-minute search. Are they a real person? Is this their real name? Do they have a LinkedIn? Is this the job they say they have? So, like, the basic, like, couple minutes of verifying that this person is a real human being and not some psychopath, serial killer or something. So, I did the three-minute search on this person, you know, what was it, many, many months ago, six, seven months ago, and, yes, he was a real person, but then it was, like, late, and I went down a little bit more of a rabbit hole, and I found a picture of someone who had been dating, and I... That he's no longer dating. And I thought, oh, she seems interesting and cool. I actually looked at her social media. This is called I Was Up Too Late. Yeah. And I thought, oh, this girl looks like a really cool girl. Yeah. And I think that's why she was familiar because I paid attention and I thought she seemed interesting. And then when I met you, she was with you. And I thought, I know this person. Did I work with this person? Have I met her before? And I was convinced that we would figure it out. And she's like, no, we've never met. Nice to meet you. I'm like, no, we know each other. <laughs> no, I was creepy. That's what it was. No, I, so I just it. told you today that, yeah. yes, I creeped on your friend many, many months ago. Went out with the guy twice. Nothing happened. Wasn't interested. Not my thing. No. Um, but your friend is really nice. So. Oh, great. <laughs> Perfect. No, but I- it is. It is such a small world. And also, even though we're in a big city, it's a small world. Like, what are the... Yeah what are the chances that I meet some random guy who's not in my social circle, has no other real attachments to me. I go to a random party and I'm talking to his ex-girlfriend. So it's just, it can feel like a very small world here. Has
0: that ever happened to you? And you've actually been dating the guy at the time. And like, you're realizing as you're talking to the ex-girlfriend that like, oh my God, this is his ex-girlfriend. Like we've never met. And like, do you do you mm. even bring that up? Like, I don't even know what the social I, cues I, are I on haven't
1: that. been in that exact situation. I've been in my fair share of uncomfortable situations. And, you know, you just deal with it as it comes. You know, I think yeah. you just realize that not anything has to be a big deal unless you make it a big deal. Mm-hmm. You explore the reasons that you may or may not feel anxious in that moment because that seems like that's what you're saying is, oh, my gosh, you probably feel anxiety or yeah. uncomfortable. But it depends on the situation. I mean, some people break up and they they don't have any negative feelings towards yeah. each other. So if it was a breakup with good boundaries and the person's not a problem in your life and your relationship is not in any type of
0: distress, it shouldn't be an issue, right? Now, okay, would I go home and tell my boyfriend that I ran into his ex-girlfriend or is that like not important you know, information? there's different schools of thought on that. I, I personally lean towards
1: too much information, all the information, all the communication, but a lot of schools of thought also feel like, you know, why bring it up if it's not a problem? If it's not something that will come back later, if it's irrelevant, okay. why bring it up? I think um, I really love Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Yeah. I'm a super fan of hers. I think I mentioned to you I have a devotional candle yeah. of her just as you have a devotional candle of Britney Spears. <laughs> um, so she had mentioned recently because she was married for 50 years that her secret to long marriage or her advice is sometimes you have to be a little deaf. So, if it's not a deal breaker and it's not something that's going to be a problem, you don't have to necessarily engage with something.
0: I actually, it's funny you bring that up. I had someone write in saying, Hey, I like, there are certain things about my past I don't really want to reveal. Mm-hmm. To my boyfriend mm-hmm. and I don't think like I've gotten over it like how do I mm-hmm. move past it or is it something like you yeah. have to talk about? I mean is it something that's going to directly impact the relationship or cause
1: embarrassment or something later something that if uncovered later will cause your partner to feel deceived or that you were dishonest? Mm-hmm. If the answer is no then it's not necessary. It's up to you to disclose whatever you want to disclose especially when people are talking about sexual situations or behaviors. Yeah. Um, I work with a lot of poly uh, couples or kink couples.
0: So, What's a kink couple?
1: Or kink people. Like yesterday, I I was at a party. Uh, a, I had Virgin Bloody Mary. It was really amazing. Just a day party with some of my friends. And I have a lot of artistic friends that I was talking to a girl and she's her lifestyle, her kink, is that she's a kitten. Mm-hmm. And she talked about how difficult it was to date when somebody didn't match with her fetish as wanting to be a kitten. And so now she found a guy that wants... Kitten play, and that's great, but does she disclose that if she's dating somebody that's vanilla and they don't understand that? How does she communicate that? Is that something necessary to talk about? Yeah. So if it's something that's important for your lifestyle that you're going to need to engage in, and a year goes by and you say, Look, I've been holding it in, but I need to be a kitten in the bedroom, and if you can't accommodate that, it's over. So that would require more disclosure because that's part of who you are. But mm-hmm. Let's say you you used to be into having a bunch of threesomes, and now you're not doing that anymore, and you're in a monogamous relationship. Is it necessary to tell your current partner that you had consensual threesomes in the past? No. No. Like, why would you tell them? Yeah.
0: Okay, I like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, keep it to yourself. Yeah, you don't have to. I mean, that's really none of their business, unless it's something that's going to affect them or the relationship. Okay.
0: Now, I want to know, so mm-hmm. what's your Jersey is a play on words. I find uh-huh. out where my guests are from and how oh, I'm they from Philly. got. I'm from right by Jersey. <laughs> oh, gosh. Look at that guy. We're neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering that. I was like, I don't remember where you were from. Philly. Yeah. So your I used jersey to be in Jersey all the
1: time. That's amazing. Yeah. I've, uh, <laughs> I have moved to LA when I was 19. So most of my growing up was right. on the East Coast. Um, But I used to go to Jersey quite a bit. Do you know what the grease trucks are? Oh, Duh. Okay, so <laughs> my friends and I in high school used to go drive to the grease trucks by Rutgers. Oh, my gosh. And now there's like um, Fat cells here. Yes. Which is essentially the sandwiches they had at the grease trucks. Oh, totally. And the grease trucks were around before there was like trendy food trucks. And I'm like, I used to go to these trucks in Jersey.
0: Okay. yes oh yeah, my god I they were so that.
1: good yeah. yeah
0: no and they have like everything on them it's insane
1: like philly cheesesteak and mozzarella sticks and burgers and cheese and all... french fries all in one sandwich no, it's no, like I'm a heart hungry. attack sandwich yeah that's great yeah
0: i love that you actually attempted to eat the meatballs that are here a lot of people don't yeah, even I touch them
1: half a meatball but now i'm talking so <laughs> i will continue <laughs> that's my lunch before i go to work i will eat your meatballs Love it. and i grew up with all you know pennsylvania's all italians as
0: well so oh, yeah. Italian cooking and pizzerias. It's very similar. Yeah. You know. So were you like very outgoing? Were you modeling? Were you mm-hmm. doing all the things? Like when did this all
1: come into play not for you? Not on the East Coast. There's okay. not really stuff like that available. Not in
0: Pennsylvania. No. I mean, it's very, it's, it's different. Although my first agent yeah. was in Philly. Oh, really? <laughs> Marie Claro Talent Agency. Oh, yes. fancy. Oh, not very. Um, <laughs> I,
1: didn't, I didn't find opportunities like that there. In fact, I never thought I could do any of that stuff. And when I moved to L.A., I moved here for a relationship I had when I was 19. I had a friend that said, oh, you should do these promotions. You get paid to go wear a branded T-shirt for an alcohol brand. You hand things out and people pay you for this. i was like, what? No. And it was just so easy and what a great way to make money while going through school. So I did, you know, the promo stuff. And then that same friend is the one that got me into professional dance and bottle service and the Karma Foundation stuff that's so cool uh, and modeling and you know i i really enjoyed a lot of that i made so many friends it, i found it to be a really positive experience on the on the most part mm-hmm. um but and i kind of miss it in a sense i just don't have time or energy to do those things anymore it no. kind of <laughs> faded out as i was starting my practice i'm like i just don't
0: have time no so were you always like were you always open like sexually or was this Mm -hmm. something that you always were drawn to? I think I always wanted to talk
1: about sexuality because it very much overlaps feminism and gender roles and how we exist in the world as women. mm -hmm. And I just saw, especially on the East coast, it's a lot more conservative. Oh yeah. um, How people would judge others for their sexual identity or orientation or preferences. And I think that that in combination with feminist studies was, more of the motivation of why I went into study sexuality more. And most therapists don't get a lot of sexuality education. So Mm -hmm. if you're going to see a therapist, then MFT, MSW, PsyD, like a, you know, go through your insurance, go see a therapist. Most therapists only have one unit of education of sexuality unless they've sought it out on purpose. Mm -hmm. So you have, you know, a weekend course or half the duration of a normal class. Pretty much my class in graduate school was Write a paper about anything about sex, and then the comment on the paper was a plus. You should teach this class, which I did. Then come back and teach in services at my graduate school, um, which was Pepperdine. Pepperdine, yeah, yeah. So oh it's it's there's just a lack of education. So I wanted to be one of the ones that sought out additional education, experience, mentoring, so that I could serve the communities better. Okay. Um, with these things, and a lot of the clients I work with, like I said, whether it's kinky people or poly people or trans trans community. Um, I just have a little more knowledge and experience and awareness in those topics. So I'm not like, wait, what's kitten play? Wait, what does poly mean? So that way we can just talk about what we're going to talk about. And I'm not constantly stopping them, asking them to define or make a judgment about what they're doing. Oh, yeah. Did you want to know what kitten play was? Yeah. (laughs) I actually haven't met a lot of kittens. And I was so excited to meet this girl yesterday um, just as a friend. But typically a lot of animal play when it comes to sexuality is not it's never about bestiality, mm-hmm. but it's about caring and grooming. So there's pony play. And when people dress like ponies, it's typically you're brushing your pet pony or you're loving it or you're caressing it. And the people that are the pony want to receive that care and touch. Okay. Um, and the person doing it wants to be the caretaker. Okay. So you may have seen like some of the pony play fetish gear where it's like the ears and the muzzle or there's like butt plugs with horse tails on them and they're actually beautiful they're very expensive i just
0: always thought people thought they were cute i didn't know it was a whole like a whole caretaker, community like, Yeah, whole, pony whole. pony play like kittens are similar so
1: the girl that i talked to yesterday she said she had an awkward situation because she started dating a guy for about a month his ex-girlfriend they're still friends she comes over to say hi to to the guy and whoops they left their cage out and, and the ex-girlfriend didn't want to play like a kitten, so that was why one of the reasons they broke up. And uh-huh. they found each other. This couple, and they both like kitten play. So he puts her in a cage, and when she's in the cage, she has blankets and pillows, and she naps like a cat.
0: Oh my gosh!
1: And I just thought this was interesting because I don't find napping very easy. I'm like, I just don't like to nap. She goes, oh God, I love too. napping. But yeah, a yeah, napper, not a napper, a no, napper. I'm not a napper. But, but like if you are a napper, down. maybe you could try kitten play because it's not like they're having sex in the cage. Um, You know, maybe, I don't know if she wears ears or kitten gear, but she just goes in the cage and she takes a nap and he gives her food and he pets her and strokes her and she purrs. And it's this type of dynamic. So it doesn't always have to be about penetrative intercourse, but it's about the dynamic between two people that are typically um, with boundaries and caretaking and touch and love. So, yeah, I thought that was really sweet, but awkward. Ex-girlfriend saw my cage.
0: (laughs) I'm like, well, how big is this cage? She's like, it's big, it's very big. Oh my god, that's really yeah. funny. We, yeah. I didn't know any of this. So it's kink play. What is it? Well, this is kitten play. So okay. it was like she said, I'm a kitten. Um, which when is I met so her. funny because there's another podcast, Adderall and Compliments, and they call their listeners kittens.
1: Oh, as we <laughs> well, cross over. I could be attracting a whole other demographic. You really could. <laughs> Yeah. Um, oh my gosh, Annabelle
0: has to have you anybody on. Anybody that's
1: not falling into what's called like vanilla or you know, what might be considered more like mainstream might be kink. And that's just anything that's not the mainstream. So kink is just a word that's used as a really big umbrella for lots of things. So whether it's BDSM or any type of like community like pony play or or kitten play, it could even be used for any type of queer identities or people that have group sex or poly relationships. It could all technically fall under the umbrella of kink. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Wow. Wow. I, I mean so if I I because I didn't know like kitten mm-hmm. play or pony I didn't know that was mm-hmm. the thing so if I just Google like kink
1: yeah play, I can oh, find kink, out just, not even play just kink
0: just I mean kink. yeah and I like that word yeah. that's a yeah. fun word that's so funny I feel like it's scary for certain people. You know, well, what's interesting is most people engage in a
1: level of um, power play kink or BDSM without even knowing it. Mm -hmm. Um, So anything where there's a power dynamic is typically some type of level of BDSM, whether you like it or not. So, you know, if you're aggressive or you're initiating or you're restraining somebody, whether you call it kink or not, you're engaging in some type of kink play. But how far you go or how much of a lifestyle it is is up to you. Some people are lifestyle kink people were twenty 24-7. Wow. Uh, and some people, it's just a little bit of light play in the bedroom. Which I think is fun. Yeah, most
0: people do it, and they don't even call it kink, but they so, do. like, what do you recommend for people to do if they want to, like, dip their toe mm-hmm. in the kink pond? Um, well, there's lots of things. You can read
1: books. You can watch films. You can watch adult content. Um, in L.A., we have the Pleasure Chest, mm-hmm. which is a great sex shop. There's also Stock Room, which is kind of the kinky um, really friendly, kinky store? Have I've you been to Stockroom? I've never heard of it. Okay, your homework is to go to Stockroom. You've okay. been to Pleasure Test, right? Yes,
0: I have been there.
1: Pleasure Test is great for the listeners that aren't in LA. There's also Um Toys in Babeland, which is, I think, in San Francisco and New York, and Good Vibrations, which is, I think, in San Francisco. There's a few sex shops in the US that are well-lit, friendly, the staff is educated, and they're more sex-positive. So, they're not like the seedy sex shops where people are watching, walking in in trench coats and the floor is sticky because there's those places too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Pleasure <laughs> Test is not like that. They do education <laughs> events. I've actually taught there before. Yeah. It's just a really nice, warm, friendly place to go when you want to not only buy a sex toy or clothing or something playful, but you can also get educated by the staff. Mm-hmm. So Stock Room is kind of like the kinky version of that. So they sell latex clothing and they sell sex toys too, but they also sell like electrical play and... Um, you know, masks and hoods, which are also a pleasure chest, but stockroom leans more towards kink. Mm-hmm. Um, But it's fun just to go in and see their stuff. And again, it's well lit. Staff is friendly. Um, You go there with friends, walk around, take a look at things. And doesn't pleasure chest give like classes and mm-hmm. stuff? Yeah, I've taught there. I did a class a couple of years ago, but they typically have classes every week, whether it's on safety, consent, um, anal sex, bondage, all the things that you know, you might want to get a little bit of education before you jump right in. It would probably be better. You could hurt yourself. You could hurt yourself. (laughs) You could hurt somebody else. It might not be pleasurable. Um, And that's the problem, I think, with how accessible porn is right now is that Mm -hmm. people, especially younger people, are seeing these more intense sexual behaviors and they just jump in and try them when, I mean, you can't just jump in and try anal. Like, you need to talk about it and talk about boundaries and have good communication and use lubricant. But a lot of people... See these, uh, see the content that's so readily available and see how accessible and how prevalent certain behaviors are in mm-hmm. adult content that's free online. And they just jump in and do it.
0: God, that's and... how you break a hip, yeah, or an anus, break that stuff. Yeah. All so right. Yeah, pl-
1: definitely if you're in LA, check out the classes at Pleasure Chest.
0: They're great. Mm-hmm. So, one of the coolest things that I love about what you preach is you wrote a book called The New Sex Bible. Mm-hmm. And you're all about like, You know, female empowerment, feminism, Mm -hmm. and I think one of the biggest things about enjoying sex for females Mm -hmm. that you talk about is really knowing what works for you. Mm -hmm. And so, I I, what do you you can bullet point or like cliff note it? Yeah, our listeners. How you
1: find out what works for you?
0: Masturbate.
1: I mean, that's the first thing. So, exploring your own body—that's how you learn what works for you. So. Obviously, through interactions with other people, you're going to know through trial and error that that was great. That wasn't great. This type of person is good for me. This type of person doesn't work for me. Mm. But ultimately, exploring things yourself and just taking an inventory of how those things feel. So whether it's actually masturbation, penetration with a toy or just exploring your body and getting to know yourself, your anatomy and how you work and function. That's the number one, I think, as far as sexually getting to know
0: yourself. That's so yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. Guys, get to know yourself. Get mm-hmm. into it, right? Yeah. I, tell, I
1: mean, I have a great job. I can suggest that people go masturbate. I mean, that's I mean, a great thing. Um, I did the vagina monologues many years ago. I think I was in junior college at the time and one of the things they had us do as an exercise was get a mirror that would be able to stand up on their own, mm-hmm. on its own, instead of a handheld mirror because men always look at their penis if they are going to take Pee, they are holding their penis in their hand, they're looking down, it's just right there Mm -hmm. available to them. Whereas with us, I mean, we're not able to see our vulva unless we're standing over a mirror or like we have our leg behind our head. (laughs) So, and when we pee or we do daily activities, we're not touching ourselves really as much as a guy would Mm -hmm. just because of access and anatomy. So, when I did this vagina monologues many years ago, they said, We're going to give you this handheld mirror and we want you to go home and just really like look at yourself because we don't do that as women and we just don't have natural access to that area of our body as easily as men. Yeah. So that's something I recommend to people, too, is getting a mirror that stands up by itself and just really exploring what your body looks like and how it feels. And, yeah. I like
0: that. And I think just having around you, like, what makes you feel sexy? Oh, what makes you feel sexy? Well, like, having that around you in your environment. Yeah. Yeah. Like, even, I mean, our bedroom is, like, very, like, Clean and airy mm-hmm. and, like, mm-hmm. you know, like, whites and grays and, like, mm-hmm. serene. And the other day I was like, I feel like there needs we need to, like, put some stuff in here that just makes me feel a little sexier. Right. What makes you feel sexy? Oh, God. What makes me feel sexy? Um, I feel like I like, like, there's a book over there. Mm-hmm. I think it's called Room 34. I like hotel okay. rooms. Like, the oh. idea of being in a hotel room. Like, yeah. that makes me feel sexy. Also, like, sexy music. Mm-hmm. You know, like. For me, and I don't know if it's like a dance mm-hmm. thing or whatever, but like I just like Portishead, and like oh yeah, you Portishead's know. <laughs> the song I had on my dating app for a while. <laughs> All right, <laughs> but, yeah, no
1: Portishead's super sexy, but yeah. like having sexy ambient type of music, mm-hmm. and yeah, make
0: your make your bedroom like a hotel room. Yeah, so I think yeah, that's a little. And how could you how could you make it like a hotel room? I like I love. I've been wanting for a while just like a black wall. Like mm-hmm. one black walls, maybe something like that, mm-hmm. or like a lot more like gold. I'm gonna make myself sound like a scarface like Al Pacino. Like I just <laughs> want gold fixture and like black oh, I'm walls. all about gold. Yeah, I
1: love <laughs> ornate gold things. My bedroom has actually, yeah, because I just moved in January. My bedroom has, like, champagne and gold flecked wallpaper and I have an albino deer head next to my bed. Great.
0: See, there's a, there's a checkered. um, Oh yeah, you have a checkered. That's cute. And it has gold, gold, um, (laughs) gold gold antlers. Yeah. Yeah, That's really cute. Just
1: like stuff like that. Something that brings a mood. And I think being surrounded by things that reinforce your beliefs and your feelings. So maybe that's something overt, like art that looks sexual or something sexualized, or it could just be things that are implied that evoke your mood. Mm. So creating that black wall in more of a moody environment, like a hotel room would be cool. Yeah.
0: Like, I even, and I'm straight, but I love, like, the sexy pictures mm-hmm. of just, like, females, like, from mm-hmm. behind or females, like, mm-hmm. in, like, like tasteful, like, very classic. Mm-hmm. But, like, even something like that, to have, like, little, like, framed mm-hmm. things like mm-hmm. that would mm-hmm. be... Cool. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's good advice yeah. on how to yeah. turn your
1: bedroom into a hotel room. Oh, I even see around your living room area here, you have a lot of books that reinforce your belief system. I love creeping on people's libraries. I'm like, Ooh. what do you read? Um, so I see you have attached. I, so... wa- I was going to bring that up to you. Yeah, that's the best relationship book. That's great. So I need to you win. reread it. Yeah. Reread it. Keep it as a reference. Um, I like Aziz Ansari's Modern Romance. Mm-hmm. I know he's had some criticism with certain things personally. I have mixed thoughts on that. But that book is actually very good so I recommend people read it when they're having challenges dating just to kind of read what's normalized with people's dating experiences yeah I think it's a really good book
0: what was is there like any takeaways from that or attached that like you really like uh
1: modern romance I feel like um I like that he wrote it with I think a social worker or a mm-hmm. therapist so it's not just I'm just a non-expert writing about romantic relationships it's here's my experience and then he has some facts in there so I think it's just more about dating apps, first dates, and new relationships and Mm -hmm. just his experience with it. So I think it's good for people to read stories. Stories are very important for people to be reinforced of kind of what's normalized and what people experience in general. Mm -hmm. Um, Attached is more of a kind of clinical book about attachment theory, which is really important in how we enter into relationships. So I think it is very important for you to identify your own attachment style and then look at your relationship and see what type of dynamic is happening because when you think that the person might be, oh, he's just a jerk and he doesn't communicate or she's so clingy, it might really have to do with attachment styles. and might be more than just an annoying personality
0: characteristic. So totally. Yeah. And I feel like I bought that book, I think, a few years ago mm-hmm. when I was dating someone and kind of forgot about all the principles. Mm-hmm. And now I'm not that. Things are, like, bad or whatever, but mm-hmm. my boyfriend and I, we've been together for almost three years, and we're kind of at, a like, crossroads, mm-hmm. and, like, we're asking each other questions that maybe we should have asked, like, year one, mm-hmm. or, like, mm-hmm. we're trying to, like, mm-hmm. get deeper and, like, mm-hmm. have more intimacy and everything, and I feel like I need to reread that yeah, book. Yeah, there's a
1: book that's really fun um, by the Gottman Institute called Eight Great Dates, mm-hmm. and it's the Leading Relationship Research Center, and it's, I think, eight different chapters you you and your partner read it and then it gives you a bunch of questions mm-hmm. and suggests a date based on these questions like one day you talk about money one day you talk about values I love this and it gives you the questions that will help guide you and then you think of like a cheap fun easy date that kind of reinforces these ideas okay um and it's a really great way to go through a new relationship or even explore values with a a long-term relationship uh-huh. because sometimes there are these things that we don't talk about and we don't realize, you know, I got my values about money from how my parents spent money as a child and this is what was modeled to me whereas another person might have grown up with privilege and might not view money the same way. Mm-hmm. So, and that impacts a relationship. So, oh, it totally yeah does. so this book is a really super easy, light read but it has great guidelines and suggestions on how to go into those conversations. Eight Great Dates. Eight Great Dates by Gottman, G-O-T-T-M-A-N. The Gottman Institute, they did um, the principles that make a, a healthy relationship. I forget the name of the book, but it, his principles and his outlines on relationships and relationship psychology are pretty much the leading uh, resource and relationship psychology. Oh my gosh! Yeah, we're
0: learning so much. Yeah, I want to know because you know when I met you, you were mm-hmm. doing like bottle service. You were personal mm-hmm. training. You were you mm-hmm. started doing fire dancing. Yeah, and... I still do that here and there, but so it's more all much. just like fun for you. But like, how did you balance career, relationships, like uh-huh. school? And yeah, it was
1: hard. Balance is hard. But I'm I work a lot, and oh. that's always been my motto: is kind of go for it and then relax when you get there. So. Um, actually only having like one main job and still doing podcasts and interviews and writing on the side, it still feels like so much less than I did before. I was working like seven days a week for a long time and going to graduate school and having relationships here and there. But I was, I was exhausted most of the time. I think it helps. I don't drink and you know, I didn't really do a lot for myself, which now I'm doing at this age. So I'm like, I need to travel more. I need to really nurture my friendships and you know, have more quality relationships because I have a little more time now. Yeah. But it's it's difficult to balance and I think when you have your mind on something, there's things that become sacrificed and you know, I did have a lot of personal things, which is but all my jobs were fun. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't get to hang out with my friends as much, but my jobs are with my friends.
0: Mm-hmm. So That's at true. that time. Yeah, yeah, I feel like uh, the Karma Girls, it was like a mini sorority almost. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. everyone, yeah. like, was close and, like, did hang out. And, like, there was little pockets of people yeah. that and were close. And I'm still closer. friendly with a
1: lot of them. It's neat to see where people ended up yes. and what they're doing and kind of catch up with people here and there.
0: So. Oh, yeah. I'll yeah. deep dive, like, randomly someone's yeah. face will pop up on, like, Facebook or Instagram and then I'll lose an hour just being like, oh, my God, they have kids now? <laughs> like, oh, most of Most people, yeah,
1: they have kids and yeah. a lot of people moved away and... Sometimes I want to repost some of those old pictures but
0: some of the some of the outfits were good but some of them some were rough. I think some I were might rough. have an outfit. I think I might have a picture of you and I and I'll post it if I can find it in the French made outfit. French
1: made I liked. That was a I good one. I still have that. I love dress. that outfit. I still have that too. I'm like, "Well, if I need a Halloween costume and it's an actual dress, it's not like a bikini." Yes. It's, so it's, that it's was classic, right? Yes. That I liked, but there's one one of my friends I run into who's an actor and sometimes this picture will get posted. For him because he's well-known and he took a picture with me that night and it was like this black and white bikini with pink fringe yes, I remember and it was that. so terrible the worst. and i'm like Can we just never post that picture yeah. it was just really very 2009 looking it's not just so cute. not not cute
0: yeah that was the i was i think i i had like my own table but then i was also helping out with like diddy's mm-hmm. tables yeah. in the back yeah. And I was holding, like, other alcohol. I was holding bottles of Grey Goose and Ciroc, and I yeah. literally felt like his security team almost shot me because <laughs> I brought Grey Goose bottles back with the Ciroc, and apparently he can only be around Ciroc. Oh, okay. The yeah, things guys. you have to pay, the serious problems you have <laughs> I mean. at these stages in your life. Not yeah. champagne problems, not yeah. problems.
1: I got my heels stuck in the, the Playboy Mansion has a lot of Rocky pads, mm-hmm. and I had one of my... By heels because you know we had to wear heels when we're doing this job when we're walking across a lawn and getting bottles and back and forth and wearing these like skimpy outfits and high heels and wobbling on our heels and um so I got my heels stuck in one of the stones and fell and uh, sprained my wrist. It's just, just things that I'm like, that injury would not happen in my current job. Like, no, probably not.
0: <laughs> no, <laughs> Unless no, you're walking, walking all here day. You know, I drink a lot of coffee. I um, want to know because we um, used to like a month leaning up to those, like mm-hmm. no carbs, no alcohol. like worked out yeah, like, all the really, time. You know, I would uh, do a lot of fake tanner, which now yes. like
1: I avoid the sun at all costs, but it was in style then. So I've fake tanner and I'd oh, have I my hair set all day and work out like a maniac because okay. you know you're going to be in this skimpy outfit but we got such great tips yeah. and it, you know it was hard work that was like a 12-hour job there's a lot and we're back and forth on our feet the next day I was always getting you know foot massages and just incapacitated for the whole next day just my body was dead because we would get there to do Hair and makeup in the afternoon mm-hmm. and then we'd have all these team meetings and wait around and <sighs> then you know the actual job was like people would get their 8 p.m they'd be till like two, three, four in the morning and then we wouldn't leave probably and then until later uh... there's probably always some drama with payments and as we were getting out we'd take a shuttle i mean looking back yeah it was one job but it's really 48 hours of being incapacitated it really is. <laughs> it's exhausting um so now like when i see people that are waitresses or doing bottle service or things like that i'm like much respect you know I'm a much better tipper now in my
0: life because I've worked those jobs get it it is exhausting Mm -hmm. I want to know advice you have for couples that do work a million jobs Mm -hmm. that don't get to spend that much time together Mm -hmm. that are exhausted when they get home and that's a real experience especially if you're in cities like New York
1: or San Francisco or LA where to live in these cities it's two people in an apartment or more you're both working you're both contributing Mm -hmm. Um, it's just what the norm is to live in these places mm-hmm. so you have to prioritize the relationship so maybe that's just once a week but you need to plan dates just like when people have kids you have to still make that time intentionally have intentional time together okay. and maybe that's we are intentionally netflix netflixing and chilling maybe that's intentionally we're just going to go to a movie but it has to be intentional time not just like oh hey babe i'm just going to lay on you on the couch so it's not intentional time unless it's planned mm-hmm. like this is our special time together So you have to Um, plan in advance. Plan it and make it special and meaningful for you. Even if it's something quick and cheap and easy because we need to nurture the relationships we're in by having contact.
0: Um, And if during the week you don't see each other, it's texting, it's phone calls, FaceTime. Like, do you think there's a certain amount of time that couples, like, should... Cut off the spending alone, not spending alone, but like some people say, you shouldn't spend more than two weeks apart. Or I think time apart is really good for people because it makes you miss them. So obviously, interaction
1: helps reinforce the relationship feelings and the attachment and the attunement. So yeah, I wouldn't say go take a six month vacation to help your relationship (laughs) alone. Oh, bye. um, but what happens is when you take time apart, you miss your partner. So taking a vacation without them or taking that time apart. Is actually pretty good for the relationship in most cases. Okay. Um, In fact, when I have clients that spend a lot of time together and it's a couple and they're having problems, I suggest to them that they take some time apart. Not let's take space, let's break up, but go take a vacation with your friends. Go away for the weekend. You know, go have one or two nights a week that you do something without your partner because time apart creates missing and missing helps create uh, intensity in the relationship. I'm apart. My boyfriend will mm. love
0: to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> see, I told. Yeah, you. I need to see you less. So <laughs> now it's just that's just how it is for us because mm-hmm. we're so busy now. But then you miss each other. Yeah. No. Exactly. Um, I 100% agree. Mm-hmm. I do want to know because you do counsel so mm-hmm. many people. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us what are some of the biggest mistakes that you hear from people that maybe we could learn from in relationships or sexually? Maybe. I mean, yeah, relationships, and then if you're single, and then sexually. Sure. In relationships, I would say um,
1: too much time together, like we just mentioned, can be something that becomes a problem. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that, um, what else? Let's see. Big relationship breakers. Uh, Usually any type of resentment in relationships, Mm -hmm. unresolved resentment. So that's usually based on communication. Things happen. You get mad at your partner, that's normal. Mm-hmm. Um, but un, untreated or unaddressed resentment that's growing underneath will turn into other stuff. Okay. So, whatever that resentment's from, it's resentment that's un uh, not brought to the surface. It'll manifest in it other ways. It will manifest in other ways and cause bigger problems that mm-hmm. can be addressed when you start realizing you have resentment towards your partner.
0: Do you think the whole not going to bed, angry thing? I feel like we've been hearing that I think since very should little. We respect our partners
1: if they feel angry. And I'm. A big supporter of being able to still come together. Mm-hmm. And if you have a partner that is a more detached or avoidant attachment style and they need to, hey, I need to spend time on the couch tonight. I need to get my thoughts together. But this doesn't mean we're breaking up. I just need a little space tonight. Yeah. If that's happening infrequently. And it's something that is communicated within the relationship, that that's a need the partner might have occasionally. That's okay. Okay. So, like you know, that. and you're not going to get over something in a night. It's okay to go to bed, still be a little angry and still decide. I still love you. I still want to be with you. And I'm kind of mad at you right now. (laughs) And I am allowed to be mad. It's okay to be mad. I'm mad. And I love you. And I'm mad. (laughs) So that's okay. All these things can exist together. I think our problem is we think somebody's mad. And then that means the relationship is over. That means other things. So it's important if you are angry at your partner to communicate what that means. I'm mad at you. And I love you. And I want to be with you. But right now I'm mad. And I need to work through that. Give me a day to figure out what that means for me. So
0: it's also up to the angry partner to be able to communicate that if possible. You're right. Yeah. I mean, I definitely have issues with like not communicating certain things that I'm working towards mm-hmm. that, you yeah. know, and instead it does manifest in, mm-hmm. you know, like slamming a door or mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. like yeah. being passive, like certain things that right. we just, mm-hmm. if we had said it in
1: the first place, Or just saying, you know, I'm not ready to talk about this right now. I'm having some feelings. If Mm -hmm. you just, if you notice I'm a little off for the next couple of days, that's why I'm going to try to figure out what's going on with me and then we can talk about it.
0: That's happened to me recently where literally I'm like, I need to like walk around for a while. Mm -hmm. I like went and like found like a tarot card reader. Like I was just like, I just need to like do other, like you just have to sometimes Mm -hmm. figure yourself out before you can come Mm -hmm. back to the person, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Cool. You guys are finding out? way too much about me but that's
1: okay i think it's great that you went for a walk and went to a tarot reader and and these are all things that are very common you know you hold resentment you slam a door passive aggressive because it's it's difficult to be direct sometimes because i think we fear what happens when we're direct yeah and if you're in a relationship with a person that you're very attuned with and it's a trusting honest relationship totally you can be direct and if you can be direct in a relationship and the person backs out that's a different problem. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we're scared because we also know inside if you're direct or if you do what the right thing is or what you feel like the right thing is, your partner might not stick around. Mm -hmm. And that's a bigger problem. So just,
0: I think what I've learned Mm -hmm. (laughs) in the years and years of dating and being in relationships and being single is the more you are yourself, (laughs) the more authentic you are and the more you just ask for what you need and what you want for me that seems to be the way to go. Mm-hmm. I'm chewing a meatball. Yeah. So, <laughs> <you just> <laughs> so on brand with Let's Your Jersey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I've been finding. I don't know, guys. Check back in with me in a year. Mm-hmm. We'll see. But I just, and I find that my partner appreciates it more too when I voice actually what I'm thinking, actually what I need, actually what I want, whether or not it's, you know, not what he wants to hear. It's, it's just, it makes it better. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you agree. What about single people? So the biggest mistakes they make in yeah. relationships or, or date, like the dating dating. You're hearing okay. a lot of right now.
1: Um, I would say a lot of it's app dating because app dating is becoming so prevalent. It's pretty much what everyone's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and because so many people are doing it, the people that aren't doing it feel kind of left out because everybody else is kind of using excuse me, I know I have like hiccups from the meatballs. Okay. Um uh, everybody's doing it. So I would say being really mindful of the way that you present and engage on dating apps. Mm-hmm. And working through feelings that come up from that. Um, I have a really good friend that is also kind of single like me within the past year. And we kind of, it's a guy friend, and we talk about what his experience has been like on the dating apps. And um, what I notice with clients and with friends of mine um, is that when people set a boundary and say, you know, I'm not interested, but thanks, you were really nice, it feels really rejecting. And that's the better people that we're coming in contact with. A lot of times people are ghosting or being passive aggressive or you know, just disappearing, vanishing, um, or they keep seeing you, but they're not interested. So I think it's great when we decide to interact with people that have clear communication. That means that your picking of people is getting better. However, most of the time on dating apps, you're going to be rejected. Really? Most of the time. Like, Part of dating, and especially part of dating on apps, is being used to and normalizing the feeling of rejection and knowing that it's not you. It's just that it wasn't a match. Something's going on with them you're not going to have the information of what that's going to be you don't get an exit interview usually it's just ah, getting i know <laughs> like can you just fill this out and tell me why you why you didn't like me okay
0: um i wish that was at like the end of the dating app like after you go on the
1: date right. they but each they other, actually like an there's Uber. a matchmaking service here in la i think it's i forget what it's called off the top i have a terrible sh- memory um i think it's third third date rule no that's not it uh, there's a, ma- a large mac- matchmaking service that does do that. If you go on a date with somebody they've matched you with, they typically do kind of like a quick exit interview with both parties so they know what didn't work so they can match you better with somebody next time, which I think is really cool. That's really helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Um. So getting used to rejection if you're a single person on dating apps, understanding how you would like to present on a dating app, and also how other people present based on their psychology is important. Okay. Um Because I'm sure you see a lot of people with certain types of selfies or is selfies. Are they okay for dating? Apps? Oh, selfies are great. Yeah, great. but it's, it's just when somebody is on a dating app, that's not exactly who they are. That's who they want people to see. It's their highlight reel. Is their highlight reel or it's you know they might put something that indicates an interest, which is I think really good. I had a client I worked with for a while that had a pretty good job he was nice looking he was friendly kind of shy but um on his dating app, his dating app picture after a while I was trying to figure out why is he not getting anybody interested uh-huh. um he was like standing in a shadow he wasn't smiling he was wearing I a hoodie beat. with a hood over his head and he looked looked frightening he looked like a criminal um <laughs> which I told him uh, you look scary and maybe just go outside after our session and take a picture in the sun and yes. kind of smirk or smile and See if that does anything. And it absolutely changed how people were engaging with him online. So um, I think that how we present, sometimes we maybe need to check in with our friends, especially guys. I see a lot of guys and male clients I work with checking in with their friends, especially a female friend. Mm-hmm. What do you think of my profile? Does this portray who I really am? Is this accurate? Is this something that shows who I am, a kind of a picture of maybe some interest that I have?
0: Okay. Yeah. Now, how do you deal or what's your advice for clients who've been ghosted? I feel like this has been happening a lot. Unfortunately, it's, it's a culture. I actually
1: like the, I think the Aziz Ansari book talks about ghosting uh-huh. in a way that I really like. Um, it, it's, it's very common in our culture. Most people will say they wouldn't ghost somebody and they wouldn't want to be ghosted. But most people actually have participated in that behavior in some extent. So none of us want it done to us, but mm-hmm. a lot of us do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's getting in the habit of not doing it, and that can start to change the culture. So everybody listening to this podcast, um, <laughs> if you could just make a point, don't ghost people. If you're not interested, just say, hey, I'm really sorry. I'm just not interested. Or I don't think there's a romantic connection, but you seem really nice. You know, Just be honest. Um, and if somebody's reactive to that, that's not your problem. Yeah. You know, and, and if they're reactive to that or they are problematic or insult you, you can block them or you do whatever you want. But let's get in the habit of being clear with people. And as soon as we know to try to change that culture of ghosting, because it's just us avoiding what's difficult. Be we clear. avoid what we don't like or what makes us feel uncomfortable or anxious. And obviously telling somebody that they're not what you want isn't fun for either party. Yeah. But it happens a lot.
0: Yeah. Just grow some balls, people. Mm-hmm. Guys and girls. Grow some meatballs. Yes, grow some (laughs) meatballs. Now, I had some married listeners write in. Okay. um, Actually, the same question. Uh, After being together for 10 Mm -hmm. years, 25 Mm -hmm. years, how do you keep that spark alive? How do you Mm -hmm. reconnect Mm -hmm. and, like, reevaluate the intimacy level of your relationship? Any, like, tips or anything? I think really diving into communication
1: because a lot of times, like you said, we're in these long-term relationships and we don't really talk about the big stuff. Mm -hmm. You can be with someone a long time and not know what they feel about certain things. So I think exploring true values like the Eight Great Dates book by Gottman is a good idea. Um, And also understanding sexually, if you're talking about sexual spark, understanding that novelty and variety really drive us as humans. So things that are new and things that are different. So if you're in a long relationship, your partner typically is not going to feel new or different. And that doesn't mean you have to go out and have other partners unless that's something you both consent to, but changing it up making it exciting for each other, exploring new fantasies together, mm-hmm. um, which can always be done. Google kink together. Right. Uh, getting getting involved in kink, I think, is an actually really fun things for people uh-huh. because it provides, oftentimes if you're in a kink community or you go to kink spaces, it provides really wonderful boundaries and education about sex or sexual behavior. Mm-hmm. And kink also emphasizes that you don't have to necessarily rush to penetrative intercourse. I think in a lot of, heterosexual, monogamous, vanilla spaces. It's like, we're going to hook up. We go to a bar. You're going to put your penis in me. And that like, that can be very boring after a while. And that becomes limiting about sexuality. There's so much more to sex than just jumping in bed, having sex, you know, penetration sex and being done with it. There's mm-hmm. so much more to explore. And kink really does explore other aspects of sexuality, whether it's sensation play, mm-hmm. like working on sensation and looking how looking at how that how that impacts intimacy and closeness and how that feels good um it could be impact like spanking or things like that Mm -hmm. um or even for couples watching adult content together and deciding what you like and what you don't like so there's all kinds of things you can bring into the relationship but you both have to kind of consent to it
0: okay yeah i like that um i also i i want to know what um Like, I feel like there was a turn for me when it came to dating Mm. where I used to be like, well, I should just try it or like, I should be open to things. Mm. They were like, I don't know if I like him, but I'll just go. I'll Uber myself to Mm. Marina Del Rey a few times. Like, (laughs) oh, the West Side. No. You know? (laughs) No. Where like you, I feel like especially as females, maybe men go through this too. Yeah. We have this voice of like, "I should just be open," and like you know, like I should just do this. So well, I think we also need to take a
1: look at the word "should." Um, a lot of therapists will tell you that "should" is like a four-letter word because what oh, it implies like that. is that you're not doing something that you should be doing or that you ought to be doing, and therefore you kind of are inadvertently shaming yourself. Yeah, I should do this thing. Well, you're not. Why aren't you? Yeah, because maybe you don't want to do it. And so, you know, I would want to Uber to the west side. No. And that doesn't sound very fun. I mean, I think that we become more flexible. And a lot of times it is a gender issue because of culture that oftentimes women or some people, but a lot of times women feel like we should be more flexible for a man or for dating mm-hmm. because we feel like we should be doing these things. We should be in a relationship. Um, and that's a lot of cultural pressure that we have yeah. on us. So that might not be
0: intrinsically what your want or your need is. No. Once I started listening, cause I knew, I mean, you always know, I feel like, mm-hmm. I feel like there's always that little voice inside. That's like, that's, stupid Mm -hmm. like you're not doing that Mm -hmm. and until i especially started listening to that inner voice like Mm -hmm. i didn't find happiness Mm -hmm. like i think you have to be like no i'm not doing that i'm not doing like i think that totally helps you know i see a lot of spaces say get used to saying yes
1: and i'm all about saying no all about the (laughs) no, like nope (laughs) no nope i'm not gonna do that because those are your boundaries you're setting for yourself no i'm not gonna be in an uber for an hour on a friday night and i'm not going to You know, feel pressure that I have to go on dates all the time um, or that I have to use an app or that I have to be sexual or not sexual. So, you know, it's when you feel that kind of cultural pressure, really ask yourself, what is it that I want? What feels right for me or when in my life have I felt the most connected and authentic to myself? And when have I
0: felt the most compromised? I like that. Mm -hmm. I like that a lot. I feel like I could just keep asking you a million questions, but I can't keep you much longer. (laughs) Um, You also, you sometimes deal with like family stuff. Um, -hmm. I want to know how you can open that door to like talk about sex with either Mm. your kids or like, because Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm talking about sex with kids is so important, right?
1: I mean, I was really lucky. My mom, I wouldn't say she was like a raging feminist or anything, but she was very, she was sex positive without knowing that she was sex positive. So when it came to sexualized topics, she would say, she would give me minimal information, which is pretty much what you do with your kids. If they ask you a question, you give them minimal specific information based on what they ask you. And you leave the door open if they want to ask any other questions. Okay. Um, And without shaming them. So a lot of times I'll see adult people that will have sexual shame because when they were a child, they were caught masturbating, which is very normal and healthy for all children, by the way. Um, And their mom or dad said, what are you doing? Get your hands out of your pants. That's disgusting. And all it takes is that. And you're set up for a lifetime of shame. (laughs) So... You really got to be careful how you address your children when they're doing a natural exploration of their body or when they have questions about sexuality. Okay. Um, so sex education with children is so very important. I actually think one of the surgeon generals was suggesting many years ago to incorporate masturbation and more sex education in schools.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, because we, when we have sex education in junior high and middle school and in high school, it's like, here's pictures of gonorrhea. Don't get pregnant. HIV. Ah, scary. But it doesn't talk about self-development and sexual self-esteem and masturbation and these things that are just positive and good and part of our human development. So having more education in our schools, I think, is really important. But that certain general actually got dismissed for suggesting that. Oh. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. It's a long time ago, but um, yeah. I think we should talk about masturbation to kids
0: uh-huh. because
1: they're going to do it. Yeah, In fact, there are um, ultrasound pictures of uh, embryos or fetuses touching their genitals. They're obviously not like thinking sexual thoughts and masturbating the way we traditionally think, uh, think about masturbation, but they know that there's more nerve endings in that area. And when their hand brushes over the genital area, it feels nice. So, so that is happening inside the body when a woman is pregnant.
0: Wow. Now, let's not
1: shame our children for natural exploration of their sexual bodies.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. And mm-hmm. even, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. I, um, I want to know, you just got back from China. Yeah. What were you doing over there? I was teaching sexuality to Chinese women. What, can yeah. you tell the meatballs, like, some takeaways Yeah, from that? it was really
1: great. It was the third time I was there. I was there three years ago with the same company that does sex education to women that are mostly also medical professionals um, in China that's not typical in their culture that they're seeking out therapists in L.A. I told them, you know, like, so many people have therapists in L.A. Yeah. And it's so normal, but in China, that's not normal. You don't seek out help for mental health unless it's severe. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's typically in hospitals or psychiatrists that you're seeing. So if you've had a trauma or you have a question about, like, how do I forgive my husband after he's cheated or things like that that people here normally would discuss with a therapist, um, you might talk to a doctor about because you're going to get plastic surgery or you go to the gynecologist and that professional is the one that might be receiving some of these questions. So I was teaching to these professionals and um, you know, it's really interesting. In, in China, there's so many amazing things. I love the culture there. I really like going there. And um, the, the marriage and family structure is so emphasized within the culture. If you have a child out of wedlock um, that child might not have access to a certain amount of resources. So when people say, I got pregnant and I had to get married and I'm staying together for my family. They're not just staying together because it feels right or it's a religious preference. They will not be able to access resources and not be viewed on a social level in a way that is healthy if they are not married with children. So when I was talking to them about, you know, you could just leave your husbands if they cheat on you or like, do it for, do you. They're like, yeah, we can't do you. We can't do that. We have to look at it as what will benefit the family or the culture. It's just how our culture is. So how do we remain in a marriage or a relationship where we may not feel the same about our partner and the partner might be disrespecting us, but we know that our lives will not be okay if we leave. And that's just what it is. And I'm not talking about major abuse or things like that, but just Mm -hmm. other things that here we would just say, you know, we're going to end this relationship and consensually depart the relationship so that was really interesting kind of being around a culture that's just so very different from ours in that way so like what would you tell them
0: to do if they're like stuck with someone who's
1: just continuously
0: cheating on them or like stuff
1: like that right but they they just manage they learn to explore themselves have more time on their own maybe it's not a close intimate relationship but they're partners and you know they can talk about okay whatever happens outside the relationship you do you I'll do me Um, And that seems to be what happens in those situations. Um, But I was teaching the women about masturbation, about how that's such an important part of self-care and Mm self-exploration. Because if your partner's cheating on you and, you know, you don't have the closeness with them and you're relying on them for all of your sexual needs, that doesn't feel very comfortable. So how can you satisfy yourself? How can you give yourself pleasure? How can you love your own body? Because, you know, as all people, we're not always going to be able to depend on our partner 100%. In fact, it's not healthy. So how can you get to know yourself and explore yourself and give yourself those great feelings and orgasms and just feel good? So I was teaching masturbation in China, essentially. (laughs) And self-disclosure, I also unknowingly smuggled banned books into China. So I feel like such a rebel. I brought like one or two books about, it wasn't even a book that I was interested in on sexual chakras that they had wanted, the other instructors there. Like, really want this kind of like sexual chakra book. Can you order it on Amazon and bring it? I'm like, yeah, sure. And then they're like, Yeah, we can't get this here. This is banned here. And it's a book that wasn't even that intense. Like my book's way more explicit. Um With sexual chakras. I don't know anything about this. Yeah, neither did I. I just not my thing. But um they're like, This is banned. So I did feel very like George Orwell, like sci fi, dystopian future, like smuggling banned books into foreign countries. Wow. Um that I feel like I should put that on my dating app as my <laughs> You should. <laughs> I love like, that you're on a
0: dating app and yeah, you're a therapist. Yeah, you you know, everybody, you everybody is,
1: right? You know, and I think I'm. I left a relationship about a year ago, and you know, I'm open to meeting people, but also being on an app. Like, I really just don't go on dates. Like mm-hmm. I don't often date because I'm very busy, and it's interesting. Like if a guy writes to me, I'm like, you know, I'm very busy. Actually, I work a lot. I have my own business. I do all these other things, and they'll feel like I have slighted them when I tell them I'm not just available to them. So I just, I don't go on it too much, but mm-hmm. every once in a while, if I think somebody will be a good match for me, I'll entertain a date.
0: You know, what do you recommend for girls for Bumble? Mm-hmm. Good opening line.
1: Um, you know, it's interesting. I hear a lot of men complain about what they hear from women on their, um, apps. So I would say, uh, do something that not everybody's doing, like, you know, what? like be authentic, but, um, It's interesting. Sometimes I go on dates with men and we end up just saying, hey, look, we'll just be friends. Also,
0: what's your experience been like on these apps? Tell me, because I just want to pick your brain. Yeah, I've had that when I was on the apps. People would just be like, can we just talk about being on the app? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And it's kind of fun because I'm like,
1: what's your side like? And so I hear men in my practice and men I've met um, talk a lot about just how they see a lot of female profiles having the same type of photo or they say they just want to go, Hiking and drinking coffee, which I'm like, I like hiking and drinking coffee. I'm like, I really like coffee. Um, but just think about something that's a little bit um, more unique mm-hmm. that will catch somebody's attention. Like something about you, like, you know, I I might put, oh, fire eating therapist. I don't I don't have that on there. But something like that that could be a little out of the norm that somebody could read that and be like, that's interesting. Maybe I want to get to know this person a little bit more. Something that's going to catch their attention. You that know? makes you stand
0: out a that little makes bit. makes you unique. Yeah. the pack. Or something funky or quirky, different. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. What do you recommend for girls that either wanna get into what you're doing and mm-hmm. didn't even know that that was like a path, or mm-hmm. not even girls, girls, guys, everyone, uh, like being a therapist, yeah, like a sex uh, yeah. specializing in what you
1: specialize well, in. I mean, I it's 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 great. I love what I do for a living. Um, but I also went to school for a really long time. As I, I met you, I think I was probably in graduate school at that time. So mm-hmm. getting through a bachelor's, a master's, I did my PhD after that. Getting licensed takes three thousand hours of interning, which is a really long time—years and years. So it's a really long process. And then specializing, you can specialize as a therapist as long as you have um, education, experience, mentoring um, in that specialty, whatever that specialty is. So that takes time too. Okay. Um, so it's just going to school for all of those years. <laughs> sacrificing a lot um, and then uh, specializing in whatever that area is. And most therapists I would recommend to them um, to specialize in something yeah. like have a niche, have something that you feel passionate about um, because that's better for clients, you know, that you have a specialty area. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people think it might limit you, but I think it's actually really helpful. So I'd say about half of my clients come to me for sexuality related things. Half don't, but the ones that don't, might realize that I have the specialty and say, well, you know what? I actually, you know, I'm really into BDSM, but I've never told anybody, even my previous therapist. And it's a big problem in my life because I have a hard time connecting to partners or communicating about it. Um, But I can tell you because I see that you specialize. So even if people don't come to me for a sexual issue, they typically will open up a little bit more about those things because they feel safer with my background.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Mm -hmm. Are you going to write another book? I'd like to.
1: Um, I was hired to write that book and that publishing company doesn't do sexuality books anymore. Okay. Um, So I have a few ideas on books I want to do, but now it's, you know, trying to figure out where the best fit for those things would be, or maybe it's writing articles with those ideas or recording videos. So I don't really know where I'm going to go with it, but I have my hands in a lot of other things where I'm kind of out there a lot. I'm doing education videos this week for a nonprofit that I work with called Pineapple Support. Ooh, what's um, that pineapple. It's interesting. Pineapple is the most common safe word. Mm-hmm. So that's we're in the really biggest community. community. Yeah. <laughs> so they call it that's why the name pineapple support came from. But it's um it's a nonprofit that helps to subsidize therapy and other services to um, adult industry people. So sex workers in the adult entertainment industry. Okay. Because sometimes we think about sex workers that do porn as like having a lot of money. And that's in the nineties, that's really not now. And the, there was like a different generation and different culture. Um, at a different time where people are making a lot more money and most sex workers that are doing on camera sex work uh, typically are not rolling in millions of dollars. So having some help with getting therapeutic services is helpful. So they'll subsidize and cover some of the cost. Um, So adult industry people can seek out therapy.
0: And then do you recommend, because I, I, I think therapy is great, but I know a lot of couples Mm -hmm either look down upon it or look at it like it's failure. Do you recommend if a couple's at that no. point, should they come together or should they see you separately? I like, usually recommend when I see a couple as a couple that they also have their own therapists, Okay. Because
1: I see them as a unit. I'm not pulling out all their individual issues. Okay. Um, so I always think seeing an individual therapist first is a really good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, couples therapy is great for a, a variety of reasons. And also if the relationship ends, a relationship ending is not failure. Because a lot of relationships will end. And that's also just like getting used to rejection while dating. Getting, um, accepting the fact that a lot of relationships will have a relationship cycle. Staying together forever doesn't necessarily mean success. Some of that success might be agreeing to like consciously uncouple or, you know, this isn't working. We're seeing this. We're seeing these patterns between the two of us. We can both decide to part ways in the most adult and respectful way possible. And that is possible. So... Success sometimes is breaking up.
0: Which leads us to um <laughs> uh so we have a special little thing that we do at the end of the podcast. Okay, are we gonna sing a song? Um kind of. Uh called so lyrics. It's, <laughs> it's funny that you were saying you were talking about breaking up because the lyrics I chose for you are bad romance. <laughs> um, I love that video but, though. Oh, <laughs> it's so good. Um the reason why I always have a guest read, um, just a, you could look at the lyrics right now oh, cool. and pick okay, a little part. I also part. saw
1: some football thing there. There is
0: a football thing I don't want to do that. You don't have to do that. Okay. I do not like I, I won't I, don't, make you I don't do this. like
1: sports. I would do. I'm like, I don't like sports.
0: You would learn a lot from doing playing. I was going to have Amy do um, playing the field, the game, which if you're, if you've listened before, you know what that is. Um, but we don't, have, I'd rather you do the read. <laughs> I feel like that's more, I have a strong aversion to sports. or yes. anything sports related? No. <laughs> that's more on brand for yeah. you. So, you just look through. There's a few lines there where okay. I thought it might be kind of fun if like some of those lines if you had a client come in and say this stuff to you like what advice (laughs) you would give do you look that over i'm gonna just pick one area or like a few of them a few of them okay i'm gonna talk to the meatballs while you look it over um meatballs how fucking awesome is amy she's the best, and she answered so many of your questions. Thank you again for writing in. I really, I hope we covered everything you guys wanted to know. If not, please um, email me at what's your jersey podcast at gmail.com, and we'll get into it, Mom. If you're listening, I hope you're not just bright red and blushing um no this was great and informative for all of us and I again just want to thank you guys for supporting the podcast please 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 rate review and subscribe um and let me know what else you want to know uh and without further ado are you ready for your bad romance yeah let's do Um it
1: You know, the song is really, um, you know, if I had a client that came in and sang bad Romance" as why they're coming to therapy and said some of these things, it's all pretty much summarizing the same thing. So I want your bad romance. I want your ugly. I want your disease. I want your everything. I want your love, your drama, the touch of your hand, your leather studded kiss in the sand. You know, as I'm reading this, I actually have two thoughts. So I'll go with the first um, because it's more obvious mm-hmm. um, that somebody that wants an unhealthy partner might be replaying issues for themselves that don't work, but maybe reminds them of a past experience, whether it's with a family member or a parent. So somebody that wants to be treated poorly, wants somebody to treat them badly, their drama, their abuse. And you see this a lot with people that have had trauma, replaying trauma, trauma bonding, Um, So I would work with that person on identifying the origin or the function of being attracted to people that are abusive or unhealthy for them and help them and support them in making more positive and healthy choices. That being said, um, I also, as a sex therapist in West Hollywood, that's very sex positive, see people that are into extreme BDSM. So when I'm reading, I want your disease. um, I want your drama. I want your leather studded kiss. I'm also wondering if this song or this type of verbiage could be more about somebody that wants to be a submissive in a BDSM relationship that's consensual, but also to the outside could appear abusive. Um, If I have a client that's in a BDSM relationship coming covered with bruises to an outsider that could look like abuse, abuse, but for somebody that is a submissive that wants impact play and it's consensual, those bruises will remind them of like a really great orgasm they had. And that is consensual and okay. So we have to be really careful how we stigmatize things that appear on the outside to be abusive, but could be consensual relationships. Yeah. So this song could be about unhealthy relationship picking. The song could also be about a
0: submissive that wants their best BDSM partner. I feel like, I mean, Lady Gaga, just so many layers, so many colors. <laughs> yeah. So she, and just the
1: imagery. She's so creative. Ugh. She's She's so creative. I love the imagery, especially in her early videos. Um, they're oh really gosh. cool. Yes, you're really cool. Yeah. I actually um, I had a projector in my house before. And one time I had a bunch of friends over and I had Lady Gaga videos played, but I muted it and played Rammstein.
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> and I'm like, this is perfect. Wait, that's so cool. Wait, yeah. what turns you on that you have around your house? I feel like we all want to know. So, like
1: things that I have. Well, I
0: I don't know. I have a
1: weird house. So oh my God. Um, I, I told you I have it. an albino deer head in my bedroom, like yes. a real one. And um, wow. I surround myself with things that make me feel aroused. And that doesn't necessarily mean sexually aroused, uh-huh. but things that make me feel intellectually stimulated or meaningful.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So in my house, I, I collect, things. I'm a collector. I collect um, relics that have to do with women's history and women being shamed for who they are. Mm-hmm. So I have a copy of the Malleus Maleficurum, which is, <laughs> The Witch's Hammer. It's the second most popular book that was printed on a printing press after the Gutenberg Bible. And it was pretty much an instructional manual that was used by the church and the court system to condemn women for being witches when they pretty much just had their own thoughts or they were sexual. And we know that most of the women that were killed for being witches typically weren't like pagan or Wiccan. They were just women that were being themselves or sometimes had some anxiety or depression. So I have one of the early editions of that book from the 1400s. That's so cool. And I have um, torture devices from the Spanish Inquisition that are replicas from the 1800s, but they're replicas that would be in a museum Mm -hmm. that were typically used to shame women, also for being women, like a shame mask or a heretic fork that would force, force you to look up at God because you were a bad girl, pretty much, or you read a book you weren't supposed to read. So I have these things around my living room, yeah. Um, which makes it also awkward if I invite new people over. And I'm like, yeah, this is my house that kind of looks like a weird church museum. Oh, no, this sounds so cool. Like, <laughs> I'll I'm have you over so sometimes. I'm like, yeah. I need to come over. I want to yeah. decorate. Yeah, I have like human souls and, you know, so I yes. have like interesting things. But for me, that feels stimulating because it also has to do with the meaning of life and like why we are where we are and mm. why it is that we should celebrate progress that we have and be aware of the progress that we'd still like to achieve as women or as people in our culture. So, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: That's so <laughs> cool. Oh, my God. Guys, yeah. I, I could sit here and talk to you for hours. But, um, you know, you have to go to work. I have to go to work. Yep. Uh, pimp yourself out and tell people how they can get in contact yep, with you for and sure. hire you. And So I am
1: a private practice therapist in West Hollywood. So if you live in the Los Angeles area, you can come see me in my practice. Um, otherwise I'm on Instagram, Facebook. I don't really use my website that much. It's you know, who does really use websites anymore. I have um, one, but I have one. It's like an online business card. I don't really. Um, but my Instagram is Dr. Amy Harwick. It's D R A M I E H A R W I C K. Facebook's the same thing. Just Dr. Amy Harwick. Just my name. Um, and that's pretty much it. I'll post things here and there. Sometimes I post videos on YouTube yeah. once in a while, like education stuff. But if you have questions or anything I can connect you to, definitely reach out. Um, If you're somebody I already know or somebody that's not a good fit for me as a client, I will definitely refer you to another really awesome therapist and help you navigate that process because finding a therapist is definitely difficult sometimes and frustrating. Or finding other professionals that are sex positive or connecting you to resources because I have a lot of really great connections with resources in this community, so that's awesome yeah, oh yeah. Gosh, thanks for having it. me
0: no thank you for being here you're such a delight yeah. I feel like I've learned so much yeah I learned about kink and kittens and... Oh, it's amazing <laughs> I'm gonna set you up with Annabelle um the kittens podcast anyway uh also meatballs thank you for listening I love you I hope you learned as much as I did today I feel like we should all just go home and do fun things mm-hmm. yeah i <laughs> um, that was like the cookie cutter version of it all right um thank you Amy Thank you. Thank you, meatballs. I'm Jacqueline Marfuji. This is What's Your Jersey? And I'll catch you on the flip side. Bye. Just put your paws up. Because you were born this way, baby. My mama told me when I was young.